You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 22. Last week, TV, radio host, and influencer Kelly Rizzo shared how she uses the power of digital platforms and her skill set in front of the camera to grow an influence. This week, Annie Spano chats with us on how to partner with blog communities to grow your business. To sign up for exclusive access via our newsletter, head over to theinfluencerpodcast.com. To up-level your own influence, garner free publicity for your business, gain access to free marketing tips and social media growth strategies, head on over to juliesolomon.net. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hi, influencers, and welcome to today's episode. Joining us today is Annie Spano. Annie is the founder of Style Collective, which is a platform for fashion and lifestyle influencers to connect, grow, and learn how to be successful bloggers and entrepreneurs. Annie connects women from all over the world through community and empowers them to do what they love through leadership and influencer education. Annie has a BS in mathematics and an MBA, is the host of Becoming Fearless podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, and blogs over at AnnieSpano.com. She is also a public speaker and connector, and Annie really empowers women through leadership and influencer education by working toward creating a collaborative space for women, and we're going to hear all about that today. So I am excited to chat all things community and strategy tips today with Annie. So welcome. So glad that you are here with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you so much for that great intro. You make me sound way more awesome than I actually am. (laughs) No, you are so, so awesome. Um, So what I love is that Annie and I actually met through the podcast space, which I find to be, you know, I always find it to be so interesting and fun when that happens, but at the same time, so not surprising, especially for two women like Annie and I, because this is really kind of what we do for a living. We connect people. We um, hope to educate them and inspire them. So naturally a way that we are going to to do that is by engaging through the online and social space. So as much Mm -hmm. as I find it always so crazy that I meet amazing women online. I I shouldn't anymore because it's really not that surprising, but I would love if you could just dive in and start sharing with our listeners a little bit about your story. I know that you have a really amazing story um, with a lot of, a lot of beauty, but then a lot of, you know, challenges and, and kind of hard things. I know that your mom passed away. So if you wouldn't mind sharing just kind of how, you know, you really got through all of that initially and really how you got to this space to day with Style Collective and really looking to inspire and encourage and educate influencers. All right. Um, so I guess I can start at the beginning. It may take me a little while to get through this, but um, I think it's important to start um, with my journey at the age of 17 when I was in high school. Uh, my mom had passed away between my junior year and my senior year of college. And while she was sick during my junior year, I had a really hard time um, focusing in school. My grades were starting to slip. And it was at this point after she passed away that I I grieved and I was really sad and I I didn't even know how to cope with the situation. But um, instead of letting it define me and to turn into this deep, dark spiral and become depressed about it, I just tried to take all of my energy and put it into my schoolwork because I wanted her to be proud of me. So I took classes that challenged me, like all my friends were taking like food class and um, like cooking and sewing and all kinds of fun things like beauty school. And I was like, you know, I like math and science. I'm not naturally gifted. It doesn't come to me easily. I have to work really hard at math and science, but I'm going to take pre-calc and I'm going to take physics as my two senior electives. (laughs) So I took those two courses and they challenged me, but I did really well in them. I had anywhere from a 95 to a 97 through all four quarters. Um, and I learned that I could take some like a negative experience and I could use it to create 
positivity for myself, to let that darkness be the light that I needed in my life, um, that I didn't have to just like wallow and be sad and feel like I was defeated. So while I was coping and grieving, I still kept my my focus and looking forward to my goals and what I wanted to do with my life. Cause I was so young and I still had so much ahead of me. So that helped me figure out like later on in college, I started as an elementary education major. And then a year after I was like, you know, I really missed my math class that I took in high school. So I'm going to switch my major, um, after my first year. And I switched to mathematics education. So I again, challenged myself. I took 42 credits of math and, uh, got through the program. I did pretty well, but as I said, I had to work really hard. Math is not calculus and like higher level types of math don't come as easily to me. Um, but I got through the program. I was a math teacher for two years after college and that's where I get my, my teaching, my love for teaching and my experience with teaching. I love helping others. It's part of who I am. And like you, Julie, I'm, I'm a connector. I'm an educator. I love being around people. I absolutely loved being in front of my students and being the leader of the classroom and helping them learn and grow. It definitely wasn't easy trying to teach, um, algebra to a room of 15 year olds that wanted nothing to do with, um, algebraic equations, <laughs> but tried my best. Yeah. We did a lot of learning games and I figured out things that worked and didn't work, um, different learning styles. I had a classroom of a course of, uh, special education students. So all different kinds of IEPs and learning, um, different ways that I had to teach the students in the classroom based on their specific needs on their IEP. So after I was teaching for two years, I was laid off for my teaching job because this was right after the crash happened in 2008 and it was a 2008, 2009 school year. So in 2009, I was laid off from my teaching job and I had my first year. Um, it was also my first year of being married. So newly married, unemployed, recent college grad living in my mother-in-law's upstairs spare bedroom. And then about six months later, my husband was also laid off from his job in New York city. So we were both unemployed living in his mom's spare bedroom. Yeah. I mean, but it, you know, it's life. Things are up, things are down and you just have to ride the roller coaster and know that when you have the bad times, um, you know, that helps you really stay be grateful for the good times and it helps you cherish the really good times. So I had a year of soul searching. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to return to teaching because it was, it was different than what I thought it was going to be. It was way more political with the union and the administration. So I decided that I wanted to take a different path and work in a corporate setting instead. And I got my first job, um, had to relocate up to New Hampshire, which is where I was, I've been living for the last seven years and I'm moving again, but, um, I was here for seven years. I worked at a corporate office for five of those years. I started to learn business and marketing, product development, merchandising, all of these new skills I started acquiring. And about two years in decided that I wanted to go back to school and get my MBA. I went back to school. I got my MBA full-time at night while I worked full-time during the day. And after two years, I graduated and started to realize after I took a leadership course in the spring of 2014 that the women that I was working with at my corporate office one of them in particular, I call her my work bully now after the situation has happened. She was a bully towards me and other women in the workplace. She harassed me and she harassed other women. She didn't make me feel good about myself. And I absolutely hated going to that job every single day. And I didn't know what to do. I felt trapped. I felt like I was losing myself and I just didn't even know what to do. So I 
knew that I was also interested in social media because I had taken a social media class during my MBA program and learned about influencer marketing. So I started a blog. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing, but I started a blog and used that as my creative outlet. I use it as a way to get to know the space to try to figure out, could I make a career for myself out of starting a blog? And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even think of the fact that through a blog, you could have your own products and services, but somehow I found myself doing that, even though I didn't know that that was okay. I'd started doing some marketing consulting for a local fashion boutique in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So I leveraged my blog to pitch myself to this boutique owner and say, look, I'm a fashion expert. I know what I'm talking about. I know the space. I write about it on my website. I would love to help you with your marketing initiatives, your event planning, your cross promotions with other businesses and be a consultant for you. So she said yes. And I I did that for a year while I had my blog and I made five figures of income on the side while I was working my full-time job during the day. And while I was doing the whole blogging thing, I started to get to know other women that had started their blogs around the same time as me. And they started asking a lot of questions like, what do you do when a brand reaches out to you? How do you grow your social media? Like, what is the point of blogging? And there was all these questions that none of us had the answers to it, but we were all in the trenches, as you like to say, um, figuring it out, learning as we went. And I saw this need for people to come together in a collaborative way and share this information rather than working in a silo. The work bully showed me that you can't tear other people down and compete with other people as a way to be successful. And that extreme contrast where I was working with other women at nighttime after work and helping them figure out blogging showed me that, you know, I could be a leader within this space. I could take my skills from business school, my love for marketing, my, um, teaching degree that I have and combine everything together and be able to provide education, resources, and tools for bloggers. So I had an idea to um, that I pitched to these women. It was 65 of us that were in a Facebook group that um, I was cultivating our community within. And I told them what I wanted to do, that I wanted to start Style Collective as a business. And I wanted us to have e-courses and meetups and all kinds of things that we do now and that I wanted to charge for it, that I wanted to have a subscription fee, $10 a month or $99 a year. And all of them were super excited about it, which I, I was over the moon. I was really nervous about the whole idea because at that point, my confidence was so low because of the work bully. And I eventually got to the point, my breaking point with the work bully where I was crying every day and I couldn't bear to go to the office. And I just dug myself down into this, this hole of shame. And I just, I felt so horrible about myself and I I eventually left. It was really, really hard and and scary because I, I didn't want to give up the stability of my paycheck and my benefits, but the burden of going there every single day eventually became greater than the reward of my paycheck. So I left and then I started Style Collective full time and officially we launched in February of 2016. So it's been a year and a half now and the response has been absolutely amazing and has fulfilled me and given me so much more joy than I could have ever imagined. So that's my story in a nutshell. (laughs) And so it was really kind of the the community around you that was the driving force for you to create your community, essentially. Yeah, it was seeing women come together and uplift each other and seeing that they could create success through community, through collaboration, that I was like, wow, this is really amazing. I thought 
I was kind of looking at the example of the work bully and seeing how she was trying to create success for herself. And it was making everybody else feel miserable. And I thought to myself, like, this isn't the only way to be successful. I want to create this collaborative space for people. I don't want them to ever feel the way that I felt with this work bully. I want to bring people together so that they can be happy and feel fulfilled in their life. Absolutely. I love that. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. Um, well, so I want to kind of dive into, you know, now that you've created the community, really kind of dive into more of the strategy side of things, um, since that's really what you've tried to kind of really cultivate and learn and be able to share. So I know that um, you had told me that you really believe in influencers being entrepreneurs and being their own boss at yes. the end of the day and offering their own products and their own services in addition to kind of more of the traditional forms of influencer monetization, which of course is like affiliate marketing, um, brand partnerships, collaborations, you know, ads on maybe their, their website, that sort of thing. So I would love if you could kind of tell us in your belief and what you've learned, how influencers can offer their own products and services in a way that really kind of cuts out that middleman. Yeah, sure. So I think that this space is getting crowded and you, the way that you can stand out in this space is by being yourself, knowing who you are as a person. What is it that makes you excited to get out of bed? What is your story that makes you unique. Like for me, my story is that I, I liked, I've overcome a lot of hardships in my life and I'm good at inspiring people. So that's why this is a good fit for me being the leader of style collective. So what is your story and how has it shaped your life and how has it also defined your values and your principles the things that hold you hold truest to your heart. And these are the things that people will come to you for as a person. So if you really love styling outfits because they make you feel good and they make you feel confident and your friends come to you as that source of inspiration because they need help putting together an outfit for a bridal shower or a baby shower or a date night or something like that. Like if that's the thing that you're known for and it's the thing that excites you the most, then you're aligned with your purpose and your passion because you're being authentic to your principles and your values. So those are the things that you have to start with and you have to do that internal work to know what those things are. And then from there, you can create your own products and services. And that's how you can stand out from everyone else in this space and do something in addition to the traditional forms of how you make money as an influencer. And what I love about that is that nobody else has your story. Nobody else has the exact same values and principles that you hold true to yourself. So what is a service that you can offer? I talk with girls about this all the time. And I was speaking with um, one of the girls, Erica, about two weeks ago, and she was feeling frustrated. Like, I feel like I'm doing everything right and I'm not growing and I really want to make this happen. So we talked about some alternative ways to make money, having her own product and service. And I just picked her brain and I kept asking why and we kept digging deeper. And eventually it got to the point where she was like, I would love 
to style someone or organize their closet or be a personal shopper. And that's eventually what we got to. And those are things that she can do within the area that she lives, or maybe eventually she could be flown somewhere and do that for someone. And if she wanted to be a celebrity stylist, I'm sure she could eventually get there too. But that's something that's unique to her and her style and her passion and the way that she can help someone that nobody else can do, especially if she's in a a specific location, like nobody else is in that location, but her. So what are some other ways that you can create services? If you're a fitness blogger, um, and you love helping people with their workouts, if you're a personal trainer, you could put together a membership for your website where you have fitness, um, programs that people can download, like a PDF that you create and you can download and follow along with your workouts. Um, if you are into health and nutrition, you can create an ebook, healthy eating ebook, or maybe a healthy habits ebook. If you're into skincare, you could have a PDF with like beauty tips and tricks that someone could download and keep on the go with them. So, there's a lot of examples, but it's specific to you and who you are. Well, and I loved what you were talking about with um, making it as specific as possible. And I think that one thing that I have also found that's really useful is also making it as simple as possible. Because I think that when it comes to a fitness blogger, like you mentioned, or beauty blogger, a fashion blogger, sometimes they overcomplicate it. You know, that they're like, well, what kind of services, like, do I have to like create my own fashion line? Is that going to be my product? And I'm like, something as simple as just an opt-in on your website to then grow your newsletter is a product or service that you could offer. I mean, something Mm -hmm. is like, instead of just sharing your top 10 fashion spring trends on your blog, have that be an opt-in that people have to sign up for in order to get. And that could essentially be a product. And then on the back end of that, it's a gain because you're, you're building your newsletter. And then eventually mm-hmm. when you create something else, you now have this newsletter platform to essentially sell it to. So I love that you start, that you talked about really specific strategies because I think that the more specific that someone can get and really the more simplified they can get with that, the easier it is to come up with products and services in my, in, mm-hmm. in my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, So I want to talk about the saturated space for a little bit, because I know that, you know, that's just like, unfortunately, that word saturation, saturated, saturate is not going away. (laughs) It's something that we hear a lot in this space. Um, But I love that you had shared to me um, that ways that you see how people stand out from everyone else. There's two things. You said authentic leadership and your own products and services, which we just mentioned. But I would love to talk a little bit more about those two things and really build up examples, if you could share. Is there a specific person out there that you have really seen to show authentic leadership that you think that that has helped that person stick out among the saturation? Or is there a product or service that you have found that really kind of caught your eye that you're like, oh, this person's onto something or this product or service is really unique. And I think that this is going to make this person, you know, or that this brand stand out among the saturation. Yeah. So one of the bloggers that I follow, her name is Lauren and she writes a blog called the skinny confidential. She's so awesome. Yeah. I absolutely love her. Um, so she, I think that she does an amazing job as a blogger and as the leader of her life and her blog. Like, you know, if you go to her blog, you know, exactly who she is. She has branded herself really well. Her, um, photos are very consistent. Her style, her writing style is consistent. Her content always has a similar theme. You know that she loves beauty, um, natural beauty tips, natural food and eating tips, quick hacks, um, anything related to lifestyle and things that are also like a little more unique and almost taboo at times to talk about as well. That's kind of like her, her bread and butter. She loves talking about taboo topics and 
Um, I love how she has created community around her blog. She has, um, she's always replying to her comments. She's really engaging. She's on Snapchat showing her life and behind the scenes and sharing personal things. She has a podcast with her husband where she shares a lot of information about herself. Um, she has a Facebook group where all of her readers, uh, connect with each other within this group. And last I checked, it had, I think almost 15,000 people in it. Um, I go on her Instagram feed and I just, I always see tons of comments. She's always replying to them. She does Instagram lives every week with her audience. Uh, she's just an example of someone who engages really well with her audience, um, gives them what they need. And she's always asking them, what do you guys need? What do you want? And she has created products and services around what her audience wants and, and wants from her specifically. Um, they wouldn't want it from any other person that blogs about the same topics. They want it from her because she's formed that connection and that relationship with her people. So things that she has on her blog, she has a, um, it's like a fitness and lifestyle membership as well um, that I talked about earlier. So you get access to her platform and you get these recipe downloads and you get uh, fitness downloads as well. And that's $10 a month. And you can connect with other women that are part of her fitness community. Um, she also has a, there's a lot of bloggers that follow her as well. So she has a blog design company with her blogging best friend and she offers design services for bloggers. So she, I think that she's done a really great job of, of building her community and answering, like staying true to herself, um, being a little bit deeper, writing about topics that are a little bit deeper, being vulnerable with her audience, not being so surface level and, um, creating products and services for her audience that people really want. And, and they purchase. and I'm in her Facebook group and people are crazy over her. They absolutely love her and they die over her. And I just, I love that. I love that she has created such a passionate community around what she's doing. Yeah. I, I love that too. And I love that you use so many different portions of who she is as a brand as examples. Um, cause she's a fantastic one and she's actually, that's actually not the first time someone's mentioned her on this pod- podcast. So that just goes to show how, how wonderful of an example that she is for someone who is just very authentic and unique. Um, mm-hmm. speaking of Facebook groups, um, I know that you have uh, mentioned to me before that you find them as a really powerful way for cultivating community. I would love to know why you think that and just really kind of your take and your insight on Facebook groups and how influencers could really benefit from them. Okay. Yeah. So I think that Facebook groups are really powerful for cultivating community because just like Lauren has done and other bloggers do this and like social media groups do this, like you can, everybody is on Facebook. There are, I think last I checked is 2 billion people that are on Facebook. So pretty much everyone is on Facebook and you can create a group for your readers of your blog. And that can be another way to connect with your readers. So if you're not comfortable with Instagram live, or you want to use something other than Instagram, like, and you're not sure how to use a Facebook page to necessarily drive people, drive traffic to your website to get them to like read your content or engage with it or download your opt-in or whatever your objective is on your website. I think that a Facebook group is a really awesome way that you can use Facebook as a marketing tool to get people onto your website. So a Facebook group is where people can join it and they can talk with each other. They have a common interest because they're there because of you, they have the same values and principles as you because they're interested in what you're doing and the content and the ideas that you're presenting on your website. So you're going to cultivate a group of people that are all like-minded because they like the same things as you. So it's a really cool way to connect with people in a different way and get them engaging with your website, with your blog. Have you seen a lot of conversion onto other platforms from Facebook groups? Or do you think that it's just kind of more of an overall awareness of the brand in general? If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that Facebook is really adverse to people leaving their platforms. So um, I think that it's 
better for creating connections and awareness of your brand. I love that. And I would agree. I I have, um, I I think that people can kind of go down a rabbit hole sometimes with Facebook groups. So I always tried to remind myself and remind others who are kind of curious with flirting with them to just be, you know, kind of test them out a little bit and see which one that you really feel like you're flowing with. Because just like with any form of engagement, if you sign up for one and you're not actively on there doing something, it's probably not really going to serve you very well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that it's definitely something that a lot of influencers haven't really used to their advantage as much as they could. I completely agree. Yeah. So I want us to talk about more secrets and insider tips that you could share with us. Um, I know specifically, especially when we talk about influencers, you know, Instagram as a platform is kind of synonymous in a way with that, which... um, I think we need to really work on not having it be so synonymous. I mean, I know that Instagram is great. It's one of the strongest platforms out there, but it's definitely not the only platform out there. And the more that we just focus solely on that, the more that we're really shutting out the other opportunities to really grow and respect the other platforms. One thing that um, I love that you mentioned was SEO, uh, search engine Mm -hmm. optimization, and how powerful that can be for a website growth, blog growth, and really just reaching your ideal audience and readers and really your overall brand growth. So um, I would love if you could kind of walk us through your thought process on that and um, why you feel like it's important to focus on other things besides just Instagram and what your tips and secrets and feedback would be regarding SEO. Yeah, so I think that SEO can seem like it's really scary. So then people just don't even address it. They're like, oh, SEO is this big scary thing. I'm just going to like throw it in the closet and lock the door and pretend that it's not there. But it's really important for your blog's growth because if you think about it, when you have a problem, and you want to use the internet to try and find a solution to your problem, the first thing that you're going to do is go to Google. Or maybe you're going to go and like ask a friend on Facebook for help, but usually more times than not, you're going to go onto Google and you're going to try to find the answer to your question. You click through the search results until you find one that is satisfactory. So with your blog, if you're creating content that has a purpose and is helpful to people in creating value for your readers by giving them something that they can take away and then do, um, why not use that to your advantage and focus on keywords that people are going to be searching for in Google? I mean, you're going to be writing the content, so why not optimize it so that people who don't e- wouldn't even know how to find you or search for you using like, an, I don't know, like Instagram, like people have to find you through a hashtag or through like another blogger account that they happen to follow. And maybe they see your comment or they see you pop up on the explore page. Like there are so many variables with Instagram and how people can find you, but with search engine optimization and the Google algorithm, like you can optimize your content so that when someone is searching for something specific, your article will pop up as the answer, as the solution. And so if they go onto your blog and they like what they're reading, they could click on your links and you could make some affiliate income. They could sign up for your newsletter. If you have a great opt-in, maybe that post is, um, providing some tips, which then at the end brings you to a product or service offering that's related to that post. And then somebody purchased that, that item from you. So, I think that it's really important because once Google starts seeing your website as important, it'll start serving your content up more frequently and you will start ranking more and more for search results. And that's how people will keep coming back to your blog over and over and you'll get new readers all the time coming in. And so it's just, it's like you have to put in a little bit of time and do the research while you're writing your content but then it pays off tenfold in the long term because now all these people are going to be coming to your blog and you only had to do the work in the beginning. So it's really like a snowball effect and it's worth the investment of time. I agree. Um, and I, um, I've, I've really kind of learned that kind of later in my work with my blog. It really kind of took me 
don't know, probably like two years or so before I really started using SEO to my benefit to really optimize. Um, And I wanted to share a tip for the readers out there. I actually went to Upwork.com and found an SEO expert um, who there's actually a a ton of them on there. And uh, depending on, you know, kind of what your budget is and, and who you really want optimizing your, your page, I found a great guy, um, that lives in India actually. And Mm -hmm. because the rates in India, the cost of living is not as as expensive in the U S like his rate to work was really, really comparable. I want to say it was something like five or $7 an hour and he was fantastic. And so that really helped me. Um, there may not be, you know, if people just have like $25 a week or, you know, however, to really, you know, set aside to budget for optimization. Um, I wanted to share that with the listeners because that really helped me. Um, Mm -hmm. something just as small as that. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to like go to Starbucks this month, you know, and instead Mm -hmm. I'm going to put that money towards like optimizing my site. Um, so if, cause that was one interesting thing for me that it, it started to get very confusing. I just, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. I guess my brain just didn't work that way. So finding somebody who was really cost effective to help navigate that was really helpful. And I completely agree with you. The amount of reach that it long-term that it allows for your website to have is so beneficial. Yeah, it is. And if you are on a, you know, budget, you can't afford to have someone help you with it on the style collective website. We have a top 10 best practices and infographic that's available for free for anyone to download. Um, we have an SEO 101 series for our members of Style Collective, and it breaks down everything from like link building tips, content strategy tips, how to do keyword research, how to get more page clicks with your metadata. And these are all words that can seem really scary or foreign if you're new to the space, but we have everything broken down. And if you're more of a DIY kind of person and you can invest the time and learn those skills and, you know, you can use them for yourself. And eventually if you want to do social media services for brands or maybe other bloggers, you have that skill set now, if you learn it yourself. I love that. And thank you for sharing those tips. I will make sure to add them in the show notes of uh, this episode. Um, Can you give us the website if there's a direct link to that? Yeah, I can give that to you after. Awesome. Definitely. Well, I want to talk about um, surprises for a moment. I would love to know if there is something that you see in today's age of blogging, because I know that it's really changed a lot over the past 12 months, especially with micro bloggers and micro influencers. Is there something that you see in this day and age that surprises you about the new age of blogging versus, you know, when you first started? Yeah. So when I first started in 2014, It was like, oh, I'm doing a blog as a side project because it's a lot of fun. And like, I didn't know that you could make money from a blog. And what are these brands that are sending me product? Like, what is this? Is this the new normal? What's going on? Like, everyone was really confused back then. We were just doing it for fun. And now I see a lot of people that get into blogging and they do it because they want to make money. And I understand that's a reason to do anything like anyone, everyone should be paid for their gifts and for their craft. And I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be paid, but I'm, what I'm saying is that you have to focus on the value and the purpose, like with any business, what's the value that you're bringing to your customers. And then your byproduct is revenue. If you go into starting a new business and you're only focused on revenue and making money, you're not going to be as successful that as if you focus on your customers and what do they want and how can you serve them? How can you create a really great product that people love and they spread the word for you because it's so good and so much better than everything else that's out there. And then as a byproduct, you receive revenue. So I think that's the biggest change that I've seen is like when we first started blogging, we weren't doing it because we wanted to make money, but then eventually we started to see that it can be lucrative and we were already creating great content and we just happened to fall into this new normal. Well, now brands are going to pay us for our great content and we're going to integrate that into our content organically. And I think that 
people are coming into it now and they're only seeing that side of it, the second half of it. And that's what they're, they're going after, but you kind of have to dial it back and go back to basics and be like, okay, well, the reason why it got to this point is because of great content. And that's where you have to start. I totally agree with that. Um, I would love if you could share what tips that you may have when it comes to figuring out that consistency for a brand, figuring out that authenticity. A lot of times people will come to me and they're like, you know, I don't really know how to figure out what it is that my audience is looking for. Um, you know, something as easy as a survey could kind of Mm -hmm. help you figure that out. But do you have any additional tips on how someone can really figure out how to stay authentic to themselves at the same time as making sure that they're serving their audience as well as they can? Okay. So for me, the things that I do, I survey like a psycho. (laughs) I am all about the survey. I send out so many surveys because I know only a percentage of people will fill them out, but it gives me a really good read on what people are thinking. And I take the ideas that I get the most excited about, and then I'll run with those. So it's not about taking every single idea and doing what every single person asks you to do, because then you're not going to be happy. You have to do, you have to pick and choose and you have to be authentic to yourself. Um, the other thing I do is I, I talk to my, my people on the phone. Um, so like, I guess people could, you could do this with your readers. If you have someone messaging you in on a DM on Instagram, just say like, Hey, I, you know, I'd love to like chat with you on the phone for five minutes and, really talk about this in a more engaging way. Like, a, you know, sometimes it's hard to talk over text. I'm, I'm not the best texter. I'm better at being on the phone with people. So I do that pretty frequently. I'll hop on the phone with people and just talk to them about like, what do you need help with? How can I help you? What's going through your head? And we'll just walk through the issues together. And I think that in the fashion and blogging space, you can do the same thing. Um, other ways, I'm trying to think like, those are really the two big things that I do to figure out what people want and then how I can provide that value and pick the things that I like doing rather than picking everything. So you find that like really like actually picking up the phone and talking to people like serves the purpose. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's like, what? People still do that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really important. I think it's really important. It helps build a connection that's to the next level. I mean, I guess it is kind of crazy to just like pick up the phone and talk to your followers and, and talk to your clients or your readers, your subscribers, whatever you want to call them, like to pick up the phone and talk with them. Like, I guess it's kind of a way to stand out because nobody else really does that. Right. It's true. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's discuss some challenges for a moment. Um, We are in Q3 of 2017, which to me is just insane. I can't believe that we're the years on like more, more over than it has begun. Um, so looking onward to really 2018, um, what do you see are going to be some of the challenges that we are going to have to overcome to really make sure that we keep this influencer space as thriving and as lucrative and as moving and innovative as possible? Okay. So I think the biggest challenges for influencers going into 2018 is one, everyone is becoming an influencer. (laughs) It feels like, (laughs) um, it's, it's becoming more saturated. And I think that you have to figure out how to rise above that. That's going to be one of the biggest challenges. And I do have some thoughts on that. Um, I think that, the other challenges going into 2018 are going to be people are going to have to be comfortable with being on video. I think that video is really big. Um, podcasting, I think is really big. I think that people want more than just words on a screen and pictures on an Instagram feed. So I think that, uh, people are going to have to get a little bit comfortable with, with being uncomfortable and being in other mediums for, for their audience. I would agree with you. And I think that, um, you know, 
in this day and age, especially over the past year, we have so many different opportunities and really options to use the video platform. You know, it's not just YouTube anymore. Um, it's not just Periscope anymore. It's not just Snapchat. It's not just Facebook Live. Um, we have Instagram stories. We have actual videos that we can offer on, you know, our feeds. There's so many different avenues and channels to show up in a digital way that I mm-hmm. think, um, I agree with you. And I think that the more that, that, influencers really focus on testing each of those out and figuring out which one their audience really loves and wants to see from them, the more that they're going to grow. And I'm sure that you found it within your community as well, but every student that I have, every client that I have, you know, every newsletter subscriber that I have, that I have talked to has all said, when I found my niche in video, my brand completely changed. My engagement Mm -hmm. completely Mm -hmm. changed. Um, so I do, I think that that is so vital and essential to the sustainability, the long-term sustainability of an influencer. Yeah. And it's going to be different for everyone. Like for me, the like aha moment for me was my podcast. I had no idea that my podcast would be such a game changer for me, but it really has been incredible because like, I, I guess you could say like, I'm the face of the style collective brand, even though I, I don't like to think of myself that way, but you know, in, at the end of the day, I am an influencer. I'm just influencing people in a different way. I'm not influencing them with my outfit. I'm influencing them through leadership and influencer education. So for me and my personal brand, the podcast has been something that has created this deep connection with members of Style Collective, non-members, readers, like non-bloggers, all kinds of people I've received messages from. And it's a medium that I I didn't know that it would blow up like that, but that's something for me that's been um, a game changer. And, you know, it's not going to be that way for every single person. I'm not saying like, go start a podcast tomorrow because it's going to blow your brand up. It you know, it may not work for you the way that it's worked for me. Just like, you know, being a YouTuber is probably not going to work for me and what I'm trying to achieve with my goals and my objectives. I would completely agree. And that's actually been my exact same path as well. Um, Mm -hmm. YouTube did not work as well for me as the podcast platform did. And I don't think that there's any specific formula or strategy or reason why. I just think that I guess you know, whatever it is that we're serving on the podcast platform, the people like to retain it in that Mm -hmm. way. Um, So again, going back to that testing and it being so important. Um, Before we wrap up, I would also love to know what upcoming tips or successes do you think that we are going to find coming in 2018 as well from what we've learned so far in this influencer space. Okay. So the thing right now is that the, you know, the internet is growing and there's more blogs and more media and more content being added every single day. And there's this theory that we are in a state of content shock. There's so much content and it's so overwhelming for people. So you start to kind of shut down and ignore all the content because it's like, Oh my God, every time I pick up my phone, there's 50,000 notifications and there's all the bloggers that I follow. And there's so much, and it's so overwhelming and it takes away from being present in your everyday life and actually living your life. So the thing with content shock as a blogger is that people are going to stop following the bloggers that are surface level Mm-hmm. that aren't providing value that goes deeper than an outfit of the day or a mirror selfie or a picture of the fancy hotel that they're jet setting to while they're holding a champagne glass in the airplane window. <laughs> like people are over it. I really think that this is the truth. People are over it and you have to go deeper as an influencer, you need to talk about things that not just the highs, but talk about things that you struggle with because people identify with that and they're going to connect with you and feel like, Oh my God, it's not just me. 
I'm not in this alone. And that's how you help people. You find like those common connections that you can relate to with someone else. And people want to see like the behind the scenes, the realness, the rawness, the struggles. They want to see when you're celebrating and you're happy because they'll be happy with you. But they also want to hear about the challenges too. They want something deeper than just what's on surface level. And those are the bloggers that are going to have long-term success because when people start following people that create the deeper content, then they'll be more likely to tell their friends and spread the word because it's like, oh my God, I just read this great article about dealing with X, Y, and Z. And you want to be the person to your friends and family that's like, you found this awesome piece of information and this awesome tip because that's fulfilling for you. It's it's part of our, you know, the way our brains work. So you want to create that content that's, that's spreadable and shareable with your readers. And I think that that's going to be the biggest thing going into 2018. 18. It's not any kind of like social media hack or like crazy tip or like how to like grow an insane amount. It, it really comes down to like your content and going deeper and, and being vulnerable. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of your wisdom and your tips and just so much of the good stuff that you've learned throughout this space. Um, before we wrap it up, I would love to know one last question. What does (laughs) influence mean to you? Oh, I knew this one was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, so for me, influence means positively impacting others around you with your unique voice. I love that. That is great. Okay. Well, Miss Annie, where can everyone find you, find information on the Style Collective, find your fantastic podcast, and all of the fantastic things that you have coming up? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my blog is AnnieSpano.com. That's my personal website where I, I share some information about myself and inspiration is, is really what I talk about there. Uh, Style Collective is StyleCollective.us. And again, it's a space for influencers to learn how to be successful as bloggers and entrepreneurs. If you want to have your own product and service for coming out with a new e-course this fall, with quarterly e-courses that are included with your membership. Um, the e-course is going to be about how to monetize as a blogger. Uh, we also have daily content for you guys, worksheets, downloads, events that we host, quarterly meetups all over the country for bloggers to connect with each other. So it's a really cool space for influencers. And then the podcast is called Becoming Fearless, which is in the iTunes store and Google Play. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your tips and your wisdom. And I am excited to see what's coming up very soon with everything Style Collective. Oh, thank you so much, Julie, for having me on today. And thank you for the amazing work that you do within the blogging and the influencer community. I know that this podcast has helped so many people and your e-courses as well. I've heard from girls that are part of Style Collective that have taken your courses and just have rave reviews. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.